Right now, the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast is happening for you. The Medicare podcast that won't make you feel stupid. He wanted to be a cowboy, but became a Medicare expert instead. Doug Jones. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. My Canadian nephew, Drew McMillan, just clued you in as as to who I am. I am your Medicare specialist for today. Some people call me a Medicare expert, but I'm uh, too modest to accept that accolade. So I'm just going to call myself a Medicare specialist for the time being. But thank you very much, Drew, for introducing yet another episode of the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. We're here to help you feel good about Medicare. You may be approaching Medicare. You may have already crossed over that line that separates Obamacare from Medicare. You may already be on the downside of the Medicare acquisition process. You may have all the coverages that you need to have a bright and happy, comfortable future, free of concern about your financial risk involved with uh, major medical expenses. I hope that's true for you. If it's not, and if you need some attention with your medical or your Medicare uh, coverages, if you are stuck in plan F and your premium rate is going sky high, uh, I just spoke to a client of mine today who uh, has switched from plan F at $351 a month to a high deductible plan G with a different company at I believe $50 a month. She's saving $300 per month by getting out of plan F and switching to a high deductible plan G. So I think uh, that opportunity presents itself for a lot of people. And you may have many things to discuss about Medicare. If you do, Randy's going to give you the website or the, uh, the uh, email address later on, but you will find it also in my book, Medicare for the Lazy Man 2023. You'll find my email address in several places in the book because I invite readers of the book to contact me to discuss their Medicare needs and to acquire the Medicare coverages that are going to protect them from outrageous medical bills that could bankrupt them. Even if you have Medicare There is a lot of medical activity that is not going to be covered by Medicare. You will be exposed to the potential of loss. Not everybody will have that loss. Not everybody goes to the doctor all the time, but uh, that's why the insurance is not all that expensive. It is available without concern for your health history if you do it promptly. And the way to do that is to read my book, Medicare for the Lazy Man 2023. It's available at Amazon.com in four different editions. It's available also at Barnes & Noble if you have an aversion to Amazon. So get the book, Medicare for the Lazy Man 2023, and you will be on the way to mastering Medicare, and it'll be very painless, I I assure you. And I'll tell you another thing that's painless is uh, the time I spend every week with my friend and podcast engineer, Randy Carson. Randy, how are things going for you today? 
It's wonderful. I can't complain a bit, you know, because if I I, did. What has stopped you in the past? Come on. I know. I know. But I was just, you know, a couple thoughts, you know, in our last podcast episode, we had quite a lengthy discussion of Medicare Advantage plans. And the four point seven billion that people say yeah, they've stolen that they're from ripping the that they're ripping off from the government treasury. Yes. Right. So you know me, I always come up with these, I think, memorable metaphors for yes, uh, sir. for things. Yep. And I, I just wanted to mention some of the ones that I've had along the way and, and I want people to, you know, write in and vote for which ones they like the best. I, I've had Medicare disadvantage for quite a while, but then somebody else started using out you know, you know, using that term. Well, you coined it as far as I'm concerned. I coined it, yeah. And then somebody else started using it. And then I have Medicare scam vantage. That's a good one. I like that very much. You like that one? And uh, let's see, I think I had one other one. Uh it involved uh, Pinocchio. It, it involved Pinocchio. There, there it is. Pinocchio Medicare. There we go. It's so, that's a little too cartoonish. It makes light of a situation that I think is very serious. Well, it is. And the other thing is people don't, obviously, my brain works in strange ways. They they probably won't get the concept of the relationship of why Pinocchio is funny. So and, and really, to your point, it's not it's not a funny topic because bottom line is people are getting ripped off. Everybody's getting ripped off. The government is managing it wonderfully. Not that. So I don't know. It's just some days I wake up and go, okay, somebody's got to put a stop to this. And I don't know who's going to do it, but we keep trying, don't we, Doug? Well, the last few articles I read in that stack of uh, Medicare Advantage articles seem to indicate there's a change in the air. And this is why I haven't spent a ton of time on them, because I want to see if there is, in fact, going to be a crackdown by the federal government in which they try to recover the billions and billions of dollars that have been pilfered from the federal treasury or not. I don't have a lot of faith that they will, but I'm willing to give them the opportunity to try. So that's why I backed away a little bit. We had a a listener named Blaine who's been providing me with some valuable uh, printed material that describes the situation, but I'm not going to waste the audience's time if, in fact, there's a major turning point coming here. Then everything changes. Of course, new articles will have to be written describing the likelihood of success, but I'm hoping that we'll be successful in clawing back. And they say $4.7 billion. I don't know if that's everything that's owed because we heard that there was an $11 billion fraud uh, siphoning of uh, money from the Treasury just in the years uh, 2019 to 2021, I think. That was an article that we addressed a few episodes back. So who knows? But I'll tell you, talking about your nickname, uh, your facility with nicknames, the best one you've ever done, I put it in the book, and I've had countless people that I don't know, strangers who've contacted me to ask about their Medicare coverages, use Mm -hmm. this term that you invented, which is the high-value plan. Good. The, government, the government calls it high deductible, but that's a complete misnomer, and it's a scary, scary name, and you came up oh, with yeah. high value, and that's perfectly appropriate, and a lot of people have used that term. So I compliment you on that, sir. Well, good. Thank you very much. Because if I heard it, you know, if somebody tells me anything is high deductible, 
I'm going, well, I need to start running the other way here, like car insurance. Yep. We've got high deductible car insurance. You know, you total your car and your deductible is about $20,000. Yeah, you're going to pay the first uh, huge chunk. And if there's any uh, any you know value left over, then uh, the, the insurance company will pay the rest of it. But that's not the way it works with the high deductible, high value plan. Uh, basically, it extends your co-insurance. So if you have Medicare, you've got small deductible, and then you've got coinsurance that Medicare will not pay, but your Medicare supplement will pay. And so my question to a new prospective client is, do you want to get the uh, regular plan that's kind of expensive that pays all of your coinsurance, or do you want to get the high-value plan that's very inexpensive that starts paying after you've paid some of your coinsurance? But I always have to explain in the book and in person, you don't have to pay a big deductible with the high deductible plan. So right. it's, un it's right. an unfortunate name. It really is. And and I can imagine, oh, who was it that dreamt that up? Oh, somebody in the government. Absolutely. Absolutely. It might have been a Medicare Advantage uh, scam banger because uh, they are trying to make their product look better compared to our product. Well, I heard the other day, and you correct me if I'm wrong, Doug, but I heard the other day that in order to fully, fully roll out more Medicare Advantage plan knowledge, they're going to start rolling it out and and align it with, you know, the zombie apocalypse. Okay. Well, Do you, sure. Have you heard that? I haven't heard it until I t spoke to you about it. You're the one that informed me. And, uh, now, I know you have a fascination with zombies and the Borg. We talk about the Borg to some extent. The too, Borg. So. Yeah, we have, we've had some interesting conversations lately. So I am going to uh, sign out here, mute my mic, and let you get to work. And uh, I will be here, right here on the other side of the screen to help you out. I appreciate that. Well, we've got some odds and ends that I want to clean up from prior episodes. So uh, one thing I, oh, I did want to ask Randy. Randy, are you still there? Come back and join I am, us. I am. I am. I just want to ask you a question very quickly. I know that I got you into the world of podcasting. You've had other clients that you've assisted with podcast efforts. And uh, uh, I know that some of them have been very grateful. But I wonder if you've ever had a podcast episode or a series of episodes where everything has been scripted, as we both know. Yes. That nothing, nothing is scripted here, but you have had that? Yes. Okay. I have. Uh, well, I found one, and I didn't know if the audience would want to hear the difference between the fumbling and mumbling that I do during an average podcast episode and one that is completely scripted. Randy has uh, done this and not enjoyed the process whatsoever. It, it's really, it's really, a I'm, okay, it's in my opinion, in my humble opinion, podcasts are meant to be on the more informal basis. And uh, anytime you script now, maybe this is just me. Anytime you script something and try to get me to work off of a script, it, I think one of my strong points is my ability to think on the fly and working off a script in my world takes that entirely away from me. And then I begin to sound very stiff and very stilted. You know what might be fun, and I wouldn't. Uh, I know I'm not going to do this because I'm way too lazy, and I have too many other things to do. If I scripted out one of our episodes just to show the audience what the difference would be, I'm I'm inclined to think that uh, people would say, "Please don't ever do that again." Yeah. 
but I did and run Doug, across. How are you today, Doug? <laughs> I am fill in the blank. <laughs> Ooh, <Fine>. I mean, <laughs> yeah. uh, state your name, <laughs> Doug uh, Jones. Hello, state your name. Uh, so, <laughs> I okay, all right. I discovered a podcast that is. Uh, that at least the episode I listened to was completely scripted and I have mixed feelings about this, but I do love to share with Randy interesting things that I find. And it's not very long. This is a, you know, maybe a 15 minute podcast episode. Uh, so I'm going to tell you the name of the podcast series. The name of the series is everyone hates healthcare. So if you were to put that in a search engine, you're going to find that they have about maybe 15 episodes or so of this relatively new podcast series called Everyone Hates Healthcare. And I listened to one episode in which a woman had a stroke and figured out how to slowly recover from the stroke. And uh, I swear, it's a sad story that has a happy ending because it started out, this woman was 53 years old. She was a businesswoman, and she woke up one morning, and she had had a stroke in her sleep, and uh, things just kind of went downhill from there. And she had treatment that wasn't effective and advice that wasn't really appropriate. And eventually, she found a guy who applied some um, therapy that assisted her in recovering her speech to some extent. And so she's pretty proud of her speech recovery. I say that she's got a ways to go. But uh, the <laughs> the real victim in my ridicule is not the poor lady that had the stroke who is now working hard to recover her speech. Um, it is the podcast host who has apparently either extracted a series of questions from his guest, the woman with the stroke, or he made up his own questions. But it is every bit as stilted and uncomfortable as one might expect a scripted podcast to be. Uh, to uh, be, And so, therefore, if you go to Everyone Hates Healthcare and look for the podcast episode, where in the host interviews a woman who had a stroke and is now you know working to recover from the stroke, you'll find that pretty entertaining, I think, as an alternative to the kind of podcast that Randy and I put on, which basically involves a lot of flailing around and a lot of uh, half-formed thoughts and <laughs> sentences and things that, uh, that we uh, like to uh, do it on the fly, as Randy described. So that's one item that I wanted to address. Another thing, big, big, big news in the hill country of Texas. There have been massive contract negotiations, hot and heavy. And uh, as as the uh, negotiations have finally come to uh, the fruition that we all hope they would, the uh, medical, uh, I guess it's a hospital or a medical uh, business of some kind uh, called Ascension Seton, but they just refer to it as Ascension. That organization is going to stay in the Texas Blue Cross Blue Shield uh, Medicare Advantage networks, and it's uh, high time that they finally settled this uh, this fear that everybody's uh, been you know wallowing in. Uh, the Blue Cross Medicare Advantage PPO network is the one that was in jeopardy, uh, in addition to three other Blue Cross. Medicare or Blue Cross uh, non-Medicare networks, the Blue Cross Medicare Advantage HMO, uh, 
uh, networks were not part of the negotiation. So I don't know whether that means this Ascension Seton outfit was never a part of them or was has remained a part of the Medicare Advantage HMO. But the Medicare Advantage PPO, people uh, involved in that product or that insurance plan were about to lose this um, Ascension Seton uh uh, hospital chain or uh, doctor's chain in the uh, hill country of Texas. But apparently they have recovered the relationship that they used to have with that those providers. And um, if you have a doctor there, you can continue to use that doctor uh, after the contracts have been signed. Uh, okay. I've got to figure out a way to blow my nose without uh, scaring the audience. It's just one of these things. Actually, I have to tell you that it kept me out of Vietnam. Not that I didn't want to go to Vietnam, but I didn't want to go and blow my nose and have Charlie find me in the jungle. So one moment, please. Randy tells me that he's got equipment that senses the silence that occurs when I trip my cough button and that yes, you're not even. Absolutely. So the, the audience isn't even going to know that I had uh, uh, an extended period of uh, nose blowing there. <laughs> So here's so, here's that you know what that reminded me of, Doug. What's that? You have you ever heard the concept of the second man on a match? Mm. The third man is the guy that uh, dies on the match. Isn't that true? Oh, was it? Oh, I was. Th- oh, yeah, that's right. I I was I was one man short. It's the third. You never want to be the third man on a match. So yeah. we'll talk about that later. All righty, we can do that. That's a World War One um, thing. That's where that arose. That snipers would take a certain amount of time to aim in the dark when they saw a light. And uh, the first guy that lights a cigarette is probably safe. The second guy on the cigarette, on the match uh, lighting his cigarette, the sniper is drawing a bead, but it's the third guy on that match. that's going to get a bullet right in the head. But uh, hey, 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 Bill, let me light your smoke for you. No, <laughs> no, I'm good. <laughs> you, and your, you and your twin brother. Yes. Let's, let's all light up. Okay, well, now here we have a question from a person who is not yet a client. I hope he becomes a client, but he went to MedicareForTheLazyMan.com, and he clicked on the thing that says get a quote and filled out a very, very short questionnaire. And if anybody wants to get a quote to find out what Medicare supplement plans that I propose would cost in their area, here's the stuff that we ask in this very short questionnaire, we ask for your name, we ask for your residence address, your uh, town and your county of residence, and your zip code. And that's because several companies use their rating criteria in different ways. Some uh, companies rate by the county, some companies rate by the zip code. And so, in order to be able to give you a selection of Medicare, uh, a Medicare supplement products from various companies i have to know both your zip code and the county that you live in and then we ask for your sex we don't ask for your gender because god knows in uh, the later part of january in 2023 apparently scientists have identified hundreds of different genders so what we're going to do is ask for your sex which is going to be either male or female and then we need your date of birth And then we need your age. Why would we need your date of birth and your age? That's so that I don't take the risk of doing a mathematical 
process and making a mistake on the outcome. So in this case, this gentleman wrote in, he filled out all these questions. His date of birth is in 1952 and his age is 70. So that confirmed that uh, that's the date I, or the uh, age I'm working with. Now, let's suppose that we put this aside for a year and he comes back and wants a quote next year. Well, I'm going to have to refigure his age because he will be a year older. So that's why we have the date of birth. Uh, tobacco use, yes or no, in the prior 12 months, he says no. So that tells me I won't have to add an, a surcharge for tobacco use uh telephone number and then i say may i text to this number and this gentleman said yes i i can some people say no that i can't text to the number and that may be because the number does not receive texts or it may be that they think i'm going to bother them with sending them texts all the time and and harass them buy my products buy my products well that's not why i asked the question i send a an email quote to the person in question and then i want to follow up with a text to let them know because sometimes that email goes into spam because the person's uh telephone or email uh server doesn't recognize me and they may have their security uh threshold set to be very sensitive and it, i don't want my uh my response to their request to go unnoticed i don't want them sitting around thinking well this guy's a loser he hasn't even answered my questions or sent me any quotes yet so if you say if i ask you may i text to your number that you've given me and you say yes all i'm going to do is send you a text that says my email response to your request has been sent if you don't find it check your spam folder or junk folder. That's all I do with your telephone number, unless you have given me carte blanche to contact you about other things. And then I ask about what month you uh, are considering for your Medicare supplement uh, coverage to go into effect. And then because some companies offer a household discount, I ask if you live with another person, and if you do, is that person a spouse? And what is the age of that person? And that allows me to apply the household discount if you meet certain criteria. So this person's name is Clyde. Clyde filled out all of this, the uh, questions. And then I've got a little area that says, do you have any questions or comments? Here's what Clyde said. He said, I did not sign up for Part B of Medicare when I signed up for Part A when I turned 65 five years ago. This was, and it kind of slaps over the edge of the paper. This was, uh, I've got two different forms. Maybe I can, hmm. Oh, this, oh, here we go. This was to save money. And because I never visit the doctor or take medications. Now, that was at age 65 he made that choice not to enroll in Part B of Medicare, which back then probably cost 100 and, I don't know, maybe $103 a month. So then he said, I misunderstood the situation, and now I am worried about what I will find for penalties. You know, there's a lifetime late enrollment penalty that applies to Part B of Medicare, as well as to drug plans, which are part D as in dog of Medicare. He went on to say, my daughter and I just read your book together. We read on page 17 
There are a list of circumstances that might affect your coverage decisions. Are there any ways to avoid or reduce this penalty? Please advise. And I said to Clyde, gave him my best advice, which, you know, frankly, is not is not uh, all encompassing. But I said, hello, Clyde. Thank you for visiting my website. The rule of thumb is that the late enrollment penalty for Part B of Medicare is a 10% surcharge for each year that enrollment is delayed. My best guess is that if you enroll right now, you would be billed for the current Part B premium of one sixty four ninety, plus about sixteen fifty, or more for each year of delay. Theoretically, this would be your monthly premium for the balance of twenty twenty three until it is recalculated for the next year. We live in inflationary times, and so I am not expecting Medicare to get cheaper anytime in the next few years. The only way you can be sure of the actual cost is to contact the Social Security Administration and let them tell you. If you contact a live person at your nearest Social Security Administration office, and if you can, (laughs) I had a typo here, if you can act sorrowful and contrite, the clerk who handles your case may have the authority to modify or eliminate your late enrollment penalty. I would plead ignorance and throw myself on their mercy. If the final uh, decision goes against you and the cost is too high for you to afford, the next choice is Medicaid, which will be operated by the state that you live in. Your Social Security Administration representative can give you a contact number if Medicaid becomes your best choice. I have been in this business for a long time, and it still worries me to hear about people who are going without insurance. There is no telling when something bad might happen, and then you may not get the best or fastest treatment, not to mention the problem of being asked to pay a ton of money to reimburse somebody for your care. If you decide to move forward with Part B of Medicare, I would be pleased to help you obtain the most cost-effective protection to complete the protection that Medicare leaves wanting. Please keep in touch about your decision and your progress if you decide to correct this oversight. Thanks again for writing and good luck. And then Clyde responded, ooh, uh, he said, I will do that. Thank you for your advice and thank you for your prompt reply. So that's, uh, I don't know what's going to happen. Clyde's uh, future is a mystery to me right now. Only he can tell us which way he's going to proceed. So, Randy, I see by the big clock on the wall that I've just chewed up all of our free time for today. Well, you know, I think we were hoping to get by on 75 cents worth of time. Uh-huh. But we didn't. We went into double overtime, and our time for the time on the Internet went from 75 cents to $39.12. Well, when I start yakking, it's like that clock speeds up. And I, <laughs> I don't know how that happens, but it's a, it's a mystery to me, but it's a very expensive situation, I got to tell you. I know. Well, there's a couple things I just wanted to kind of, you know, close off, you know, wrap up that we always do at the end of each podcast. Uh, Things that don't become apparent because we don't always talk about it. But just in case you didn't realize it, Doug is a nationwide licensed agent. So, you know, anything you've got related to Medicare supplement plans, questions, comments, concerns, send a letter, email to Doug Jones 
at dbj at mlmmailbag.com or like we were talking earlier on this podcast basically Clyde filled out his form on our website at medicareforthelazyman.com Doug already talked about the various books the one thing we didn't touch on earlier was we would love to have you find a place to give our podcast a rating five stars would be awesome it really would but Otherwise, you have just spent 32 and a half minutes with Doug Jones, but I don't, I want to mention something. This is new. It only happens once a year. I wanted to wish happy birthday to Doug. Oh, Pasha. By the time this episode airs, I'll be like five years older. <laughs> <laughs> well, he told me, he told me to not mention how old he is, but I happen to know that he's 39. Oh, there you go. Me and Jack Benny. Same age. Her, him, him and Jack Benny, absolutely. And one thing I wanted to mention to folks, given the fact that uh, Clyde uh, you know, had some interesting circumstances, I want just a little personal aside here is uh, I was in the uh, I was in the hospital clink for uh, well, two weeks. Right, Doug? It seemed longer. Yeah, really seemed longer. I had a good case of COVID and I would have had uh a lot bigger bill to pay than I did because I have part A, I've got part B, and I've got a supplement plan just yes, by the do. nature of my, the fact that my wife is a huge, huge researcher and didn't let me make a stupid mistake. But just so you know, my bill for that two weeks worth of COVID mm-hmm. care in the uh, zombie ward, uh-huh. over two hundred, over $250,000. Oh, and uh, that's something you want to avoid. And uh, with the uh, bottom line, with the supplement plans and all the various things, it was much less than that. But that's obviously very unique to each circumstance. So anyway, if you have a decision point, whether I want part A, part B in a supplement, go the whole route. Part A, part B in a supplement. Call Doug up. He's got your answer for you. So you have just spent about 32 and a half minutes with Doug Jones, the anti-insurance insurance guy. From Oklahoma, no more. He's living in his fortress of solitude in the high mountain altitudes behind Cave Creek, Arizona. Goodbye, everyone. 